here comes the magic spray. Supporter striding onto the pitch. There we go, live from a sold, a sold-out Ordway Theatre in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. The best pool since Pogba. It's the Men in Blazers live. Minnesota United, oh my goodness, what a beautiful new stadium you have built special. Oh, Devo, it is an honor to be here in the land of 10,000 locks in St. Paul, across the border from Minneapolis. I like to think of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, as American soccer's version of Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> but with more butter princesses and meat raffles. And we sit here on this evening, and I know you all talked about this in the bar before you came in. You said to each other, we're only 2,391 days away from World Cup 2026 USA. Football's coming home and the other NAFTA territories. For Roger and I, watching your dizzying Minnesotan footballing culture grow from strength to strength has been a joy to behold. Oh, we love everything you are building here, from the fan culture, the dark clouds, the true North elite, dark literati, Oh, the mighty potency that is Adrian Heath. Yeah. And that shiny new footballing citadel, Allianz Field. Allianz, Allianz. It just looks like the best nightclub ever. <laughs> the best nightclub ever. Okay, yes, Rog, after coming to Minnesota in 1976, not me, I'm talking about professional soccer, it finally has a major league home and club to call its own. What an honor it is for all of us. And I mean this, I'm a horrible person, but I actually yep. feel feelings. It is an honor for all of us at Men in Blazers to be here the night before that stadium opens. It honestly feels like being at Winterfell the day it was opened. <laughs> to the Kings of the North! You know, I love my history, Rog. I love my American history. I feel about I as excited to be here as Zebulon Pike back in 1805. <laughs> when he purchased the land for $200 and 60 gallons of liquor. What a bargain! Triggering the boom growth of this beautiful region built on sawmills, flour mills, railways, and banks. This is the place Paul Bunyan and Babe called home. Can we, get, can we go back to Zebel and Pike for a minute? Yeah. He looks a bit like a young Neil Warnock. <laughs> but talking about Paul Bunyan and Babe, I love yep. Babe. Yeah. I love Babe. I love Paul Bunyan. I love Babe. Babe is the best ox since Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And I'm doubly excited, not just Paul Bunyan, not just Bay, but this was the birthplace of two of the greatest Americans of all time. Yep. Brandon and Brenda Walsh, the main characters on Beverly Hills, 
Shout out to Jim and Cindy. They moved from Minnesota to Beverly Hills in the first episode. I want you to know, as a kid watching on in England, I always wondered, why would they leave the promised land? Yeah. Well, how much better would that show have been? And their lives, to be quite honest, so much less stressful if the show was called Minneapolis 55111. Smaller audience, better show. I think it's the truth. I, by the way, when I less had hair, shitty high school experience. When I had hair, that's the haircut I had. I had that wedge. The one on the the one she's got. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is the region that gave the world Prince. Ah. Oh. Minneapolis-shaped Prince and Prince-shaped Minneapolis to travel to First Avenue is to approach the Divine and Rog, driving in from the airport today. All I can think about is sometimes it snows in April. <laughs> Oh, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Yeah, life and the Juicy Lucy. Uh. <laughs> Amazing. That's a bigger shout out than Prince. Uh, by the way, the Juicy Lucy's right here. <laughs> oh, shout out to Matt's bar. The taste of democracy and freedom as expressed through the two most important vegetables in the world, cheese and meat. But let's not forget, there is also a rich soccer history that flows through Minnesota's blood, Rog. One that makes a mockery of the long-held common wisdom that forever suggested this region was too frosty, frigid, freezing a land for football to ever truly grow. Buzz Lagos! A bona fide, below-the-radar American football legend. Which one is Buzz? I think, well, uh, Alexi Lalas is at the back. Well, that's what Alexi sees when he looks in the mirror. It's true. He's got a beautiful jawline, though, Lalas, doesn't he? Does, he? he does. He does. It explains <laughs> a lot. Oh, Buzz Lagos, a gent who waged a one-man crusade to grow the game he loved. Soccer. Across the region that he loved. Minnesota. Pouring his heart, his soul, his wallet into inculcating a love of the game for thousands of young Minnesotans, keeping club football alive when all others doubted. True American pioneer. Oh, absolutely. This is the region that has given us one of my favorite American football players of all time, Tony Sanna. The big cat. Oh, that classy Polish rock who emerged from the St. Paul Blackhawks. To thrive in MLS, the Bundesliga, oh, in some of the United States' best World Cup moments on the men's side, yeah. the big cat was there. Also, Rog, Brianna Scurry. A World Cup winning goalkeeper whose soccer career began in Dayton, Minnesota, as the only African-American and only girl on her team. She only went on to become the first and only African-American woman in the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Her legend, like all of the 1999ers, it cannot be burnished enough. Absolutely, Rog. Tonight, our goal is to revel with you, Minnesota, in this night of nights. You are a region that, from a footballing perspective, has been written off too many times by people who should know better. 
But in football, as in music, culture, and almost every facet of life, you've ignored those who seek to put you down. You've gone your own way, carved your own path, built something singular, something that's all the more powerful because it's born of creativity, passion, and perseverance. Yeah, we come to marvel, we come to celebrate, and as a pescatarian, we come to eat all the lutefisk in the company <laughs> of legends, all of your lutefisk, in the company of legends, footballers, fans, and the occasional Viking. And above all, to celebrate your jaw-dropping jewel box of a stadium, the opening Look. of which is such an epic moment in the history of the game in the United States of America, for all that live and love for both of those things. Absolutely. So let's jump in and celebrate all things M-N-U-F-C, Rog. But before, before we do any of that, we want to get a photo to commemorate this special occasion. Producer Rachel, can you please come to the stage, stand up, and put your buds in the air, everyone. Let's be seeing you. And when she's about to take the photo, can we put the house lights up, please? When she's about to take the photo, everyone just shout out, Skull Darwin Quintero, Skull! <laughs> Were you okay with that one? It's a good one of you. You look fantastic. Okay, Rog, we came here to do two things. Number one, drink some beer, or whatever else <laughs> is in our mugs. And two, talk some soccer. Let's get down to it, to the football. Let's begin with a toast. Let me raise my first third bud of the evening oh, to this enchanting state of skyways, loons. Oh, we love loons. Purple rain, sky humor, Wonderwall, and Minnesota nice to a state, a club, a story that big picture teaches all of us the most important life lesson. Never listen to the naysayers, the haters, the self-loathers, just be yourself. There's no better way to disarm those that put you down than to approach life with a giddy joy and fast-paced, razzle-dazzle American footballing beauty. It is an honor for Dave and me, all of us at Men in Blazers, to commune with you on this historic night. I raise my bud fam, blood fam, to the hope that everything you're building here together is just a foreshadowing of what the entire nation will look like by 2026. When did I forget to mention, we're only hosting the bloody World Cup. Skull. With, with our neighbors. With our neighbors, Rog. Okay, time to get this party started. Let's do this right. Let's bring up a guest who can talk about all that is special, unique about Minnesota sports fan culture. As an Evertonian, by the way, I really empathize with American sports. Minnesota sports in particular. Oh. What an insult. Heartbreak game, recognize heartbreak game. Oh. The big dreams, the even bigger suffering. Uh, believe me, Minnesota sports have got closer uh, <laughs> than Everton. Oh. Yes, Rog, to talk about all of that, let's bring to this stage a gent who roams the secondary with intelligence, physicality, and athleticism. He honestly seems to be everywhere and do everything. A man with all the great nicknames. Harry the Hitman, Gangster White Boy, all pro, free safety from your Minnesota Vikings, Mr. Harrison Smith. Harrison's traps literally just broke my left hand. 
Those are the traps of the gods, my friend. The traps of the gods. Oh, Harrison, you grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Correct. You just yes. drew from there yesterday, right? Yeah, you know, caught a little bit of snow, but made it. <laughs> Couldn't miss you guys. Oh, Sometimes it snows in April. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're all like, yeah, Knoxville, Tennessee. That's the underwear capital of the world. In third grade, Harrison Smith, you were faced with a choice. Wow. You could stay on the travel soccer team. You, you did your research, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Amazing. <laughs> amazing Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Amazing. Wow. Wikipedia. It's amazing. Wow. Um, you can either stay on the travel soccer team or begin your first year of tackle football. I read a quote of yours where you said, I picked soccer and instantly regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Harrison? Why? Why? I mean, so I love the game, but... Like you said about my traps, like I was built for football. Yeah, you, you have so, the traps. I felt yeah. the traps of many soccer, soccer players. That soccer yeah. players do not have those traps. I don't have the cardio for soccer either. Okay. So after, I mean, I loved soccer and I was playing it, but I just missed a little bit of the contact of the American game. <laughs> Actual um, contact. So, so I had to choose it, but I still, I still attribute, you know, having good footwork and things like that from playing soccer at a young age. I do, I do love this quote that you would often come home from soccer practice, put on a football uniform and a helmet, head out to the front lawn and, quote, smash yourself into a group of 13 pear trees. Yeah, yeah, I had, a, I had some problems when I was a kid, and that's how I worked them out. Yeah. So, <laughs> I still got to play soccer in 7th and 8th grade. So, I will say, know. smashing yourself into pear trees is exactly how Clint Dempsey used to play soccer as a professional. <laughs> so when I read that, I was like, what a loss you were to U.S. soccer. And if anyone is here from U.S. soccer tonight, another one falls to U.S. soccer's uh, development sorry. safety net. So, Harrison, other than, other than the violence... What kind of a soccer player was young Harrison Smith? Um, actually, I, I kind of played every spot. I, I played from forward to center mid to defenseman to goalie. Um, and honestly, there was violence as well. Yeah, so I'm like, sure there was. Honestly, <laughs> wait, 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 I... Let me, let me say, does this look familiar? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think at the young age, I don't know if we did the card system, but I was, I was given some stern talkings to, and... Yeah, I mean, my, my rightful place was the American game. Yeah. yeah. So I apologize. Well, soccer's lost, football's gain. You were drafted out of Notre Dame in the first round in 2012 by your Minnesota Vikings. You wasted no time in establishing yourself in the league. I know you're from Tennessee, but the way you play, unleashing massive hits and then just brushing yourself off without wanting any attention. You might be the most Minnesota-style player of all time. I take that as a compliment, I, and, and it's also like not fully on purpose. I, I've tried the celebration thing, and like I get too excited and too tired. Like my heart rate gets up too much, so I'm just like, <laughs> it's too much for me. I'd rather just, I got the next play coming. One of your friends did the, did the soccer celebration knee slide at Wembley. Uh, Thielen, right? Thielen did the knee slide, and yeah. um, he actually Stadium. crushed it too. He um, did. And Kendricks does the, he's done the Ronaldo, the jump yeah. and turn it. But it, I don't know, it's kind of dangerous with the knees. So we told yeah. him to stop. It's dangerous to do, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's dangerous to do anything, Ronaldo. Trust me. <laughs> His quads okay. are so big. Yeah. Did, did you hear this? So, so at the NFL guys, 
the violent game. They're like, don't do the Ronaldo celebration. You it's, could hurt it's yourself. It's too violent for us. We got, yeah. It's in between the whistles be, only. It's very hard to be a preening show pony, Roger. <laughs> okay, you it's not easy. It's not easy. Trust me. You recently said, I don't want to play for another team ever. I want to be a Viking for life. And I want to bring a championship to the city and the franchise. Oh, you played in Minnesota now for seven seasons. There's something unique, clearly, about the fan culture here. What do Minnesota fans want to see from their sports teams? They, they, so there's a lot of passion here. There is. Um, and, and I was just... I was just talking to Coach Adrian Heath actually in the back, and we were talking about um, being close but not getting the championship. And this. Can I just say something totally unlike Everton? Very <laughs> good. I just wanted to make that point. Rog compared wow. it to Everton earlier. Wow. Close but not winning the championship is not Everton. Okay, very good. I just wanted to establish it's, that. It's, it, it may not be Everton, but it's very Chicago Bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so, so the. the the Twin Cities and the, and the state, they deserve championships, and that's the only reason that, that, that's the only reason that I play. Like, every year has been a disappointment because we haven't won the championship. You want a ring? That's it. I love it. I agree. That's the reason to play professional sports is to win things, right? You play to win. But, that's it. But there's something incredibly character-building about dreaming and suffering. <laughs> that's true. That is true. <laughs> Yeah. Rog. We've got a tough crowd. Rog, Rog loves suffering. He might enjoy suffering more than anything else. I think it builds character. It's I think. sweeter when you win. When it happens, it'll be the sweetest. It's, you, know, you don't want to win every year, right? <laughs> Into the mix comes this new team, Minnesota United. You've seen them establish themselves and now unveil this beautiful new Stadium. What role do you see them playing in the crowded Minnesota sports space? I think there's plenty of room for them. Um, you know, like I said, I was talking to Coach in the back, and um, just the passion that he has for all sports, not only soccer, and for this area. Um, what this fan base, whether it's you know football, basketball, baseball, hockey, um, football again. Um, yeah, like there's, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of space. And I think it's just passion that runs through the whole, the whole area that crosses over in every sport. And I think it's going to be a big hit. So let me ask you this third grade Harrison Smith. What would he think as he watches Why even a little part of him wish that he'd kept up the soccer mm -hmm. and been a two sports icon, a Minnesotan Bo Jackson, a Deion Sanders. Wow. Harrison Smith, the safety slash striker. Yeah, I mean now, like today, I know it's it's not gonna happen, but you can the, dream about but it. the third grade me would have known it was gonna happen, and he would be very disappointed in me today that I'm that I'm not that I'm not playing for coach. Yeah, by the way, Adrian Heath is here. He's making a mental note to grow some pear trees at Minnesota United's <laughs> training ground. Unfortunately, the third grade you didn't understand the holding position, the Makaleli role, where you could have basically played safety in defensive midfield and just killed people. Yeah, you know, that's like Josie Altador, I think, would be a great safety, right? Oh, yeah. I wow. mean, he's a big dude. I feel I'm like not, people make that it. comparison. Hey, come he would on. be a great safety. <laughs> he would. Cleveland Browns draft analysts who are here tonight. 
I think it's definitely worth a first round yeah. pick. Take a punt. How about, anyone here tonight want Harrison Smith to return to his first love, soccer? You'd take him. You'd take a look. I just want you to know there is a second career, Harrison, just waiting for you at the Alliance. There really is at your new stadium. I would pay good money just to watch you go head to head for that first loose ball with Michael Bradley. <laughs> He's one of our own. He's one of our own. Let's hear it for the latest signing for Minnesota United, Mr. Harrison Smith. Oh, oh. got the traps of the gods, Rog. Honestly, when I feel these traps, it's like scratching myself. It's very, it's very familiar. We've got okay. a similar build, me and the Mr. H. Very true. I suddenly feel inspired to put a grand on the Vikings to win the next Super Bowl, Rog. But before I bell my bookie, let's dive into the long, deep, multifaceted, and above all, resilient footballing history that flows through this state. Our next guest is a man who came here from England in the 1970s, Rog. The Dark Ages. Planning. We didn't. We here. didn't even have electricity in England then. Electricity. So We'd never heard of it. We'd never heard of it. Planning to be here for a three-month vacation, and he never left. In the NASL's heyday, he was the star of the Minnesota Kicks. He even lived out your dream, Rog, winning one cap for the United States men's national team. He's since become the voice of soccer wisdom and experience in Minnesota. We welcome to the stage bona fide Minnesota sports legend, Mr. Alan Merrick. This, this is in case you uh, can get on ball camp or something like that. I got it. Oh, Alan. look at look, this is an incredible. Alan's come with product. Holy crap! I love that. This is amazing. It's a better than a toupee, Alan. <laughs> in, in, in case your hair doesn't grow back. Yeah. In case. In case. Uh, okay, it is an honour to be with you, Alan. You were born in Birmingham. Birmingham. England. Birmingham. Yes. And became a professional player with West Bromwich Albion in August 1967. Yeah, are there any West Bromwich Albion fans here tonight? West Brom were the team that beat Everton in the 68 in the FA Cup. As Alan just reminded me, West Brom were the team that beat Everton in the 1978 <laughs> FA Cup. <laughs> Not, there's nothing better than being trash-talked by a bona fide Minnesota soccer legend. <laughs> What happened, uh, what happened in the 1966 World Cup, uh, FA Cup? 68. England. 68. Yeah. West Brom were what ahead at half time? It's 2-0. 2-0. Yeah. What was the final score? 2-0. 3-2. Key game. <laughs> Rogers, Rogers dreamt a different version of that game, clearly. Alan played in it. Yeah. Okay, you moved to the United States in 1976. Wow, the bicentennial. Signed with the Minnesota Kicks. 
In terms of distance, West Bromwich to the Twin Cities is roughly 3,909 miles. But in terms of time, Minnesota at that point, decades in the future, pretty much. Really? What culture shock you must have experienced. Let's take a look at Minnesota 1970s style. Going to a kicks game was more than just soccer. It was a happening. With tailgating and special attractions, the Met was the in place. alternatives to other major sports and uh, it's affordable it's nice i like coming to the kids game because i like the action my wife and i brought a pack of cub scouts out and we think it's great entertainment and the price is right and it's a good afternoon i came for the tailgate parties all right i like the kicks because the free parking is super <laughs> yeah free parking free parking yeah by the way bill mcguire's thinking how much are we charging for the parking the kicks, Alan. Classic American soccer branding, like calling an NFL team the passes or the runs. <laughs> or the blocks. Yeah, the blocks. I would have loved, loved to have been in that marketing meeting. What names do you think they rejected to come up with the kicks? The shots, the slide tackles, the neck tattoos. What was it like, Alan? The dives. Uh, the, 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 they were marketing geniuses. If you look at the kicks logo, uh, you will see the cornflakes K on the, on the logo. And so all of the ownership group were all parts of the food industry. They were part of General Mills and Super Value. And they were just incredible marketers. And so they took full advantage of it. Shout out to Target. <laughs> that giant nipple you currently have placed on Minnesota United's kit. But my lord, the kicks. They were beloved here. More than 49,500 people packed into Bloomington's Metropolitan Stadium for a NASL playoff game in 1976. Pele, Beckenbauer, Carlos Alberto, Johan Cruyff all played here. Did it feel like a crazy footballing promised land, transplanting yourself from Birmingham, West Bromwich Albion, from the English First Division to here? What was it like for you? Um, it was an incredible experience, uh, being in the same same fields as Pele and Beckenbauer. Uh, it brought uh, the back of your hair stood up a little bit and you realize that um, you're in a different world and it really was a, a cultural shock. What was your best moment versus one of those stars? Do you have a moment that you still remember, you can still like picture? Um, making Pele cry. <gasps> okay, good, go on. We'll take it. I, I, I was an enforcer when I was a player, so um, the Harrison was, it, Smith it, role. It the Harrison yeah. Smith role. Uh, but I don't have the pecs that he has. Yeah. Uh, it, it was one of those things where you want the ball, and so getting the ball and dispossessing people was my craft. And so I became quite adept at it. And, uh, and if I could hurt them at the same time, I didn't mind that. <laughs> uh, it, it, was it was nice to, to hear grown men wail and cry. How many of we, those we, challenges? We should, we should make a song of that. How many of those challenges now would be yellow cards? Um, you know what? I played for 17 years as a pro. I never got a red card. I never missed any games because of accumulation of yellow cards. Huh. I was a sneaky SOB. <laughs> I love it. 
That's the foot. That's the game I love. Yeah. By the way, no yellow cards. But I want you to know when he talked about hurting men, I did just shit myself. <laughs> The kicks folded in 1981. In came the Minnesota Strikers. Barely survived the collapse of the NASL. Joined the indoor league. You coached them. It didn't last. The 10 years that followed have been described in Minnesota from a soccer perspective like the dinosaurs roaming the earth. In 1990, we've talked about him already, but let's talk about him again. St. Paul Academy soccer coach, Buzz Lagos. What a legend. Can we hear it again for Buzz Lagos? Yeah. Founded the Minnesota Thunder, beg, borrowing, and stealing to fund it. There was some glory. They beat four MLS teams in the US Open Cup, but it was a constant struggle to keep the doors open. The club had to sell its office furniture on Craigslist to keep the money coming in and stay alive. Sounds a bit like whole city. They were brown. <laughs> They were branded as the Minnesota Stars. Football here, by the way, has had more name changes than Prince. It's true. It's a story full of plot twists, but above all, Minnesota's soccer culture, it's the most resilient that I've ever encountered. Against all odds, it just keeps going and going and going. What fuels it, Alan? Uh, well, I, I think the sophistication of the fans, they started to understand the game extremely well in the 70s and, uh, and they had multiple years to put those layers of education of the game to good effect. Um, I think they were uh, surprised by the success of the Minnesota kicks and then the strikers, we used to fill out the stadium there. Was a, we used to outdraw the, the North Stars quite often. And um, so getting 14, 15,000 people in an indoor stadium was was something that we did on an ongoing basis. I mean, great, great marketers who are working for the United now program, so uh, they're in good hands from that standpoint. So it, it's the resilience that the, the fans have is because of their, their knowledge of the game. I think they um, embraced it extremely well, and they educated themselves. If you hear about Minnesota, um, it's one of the most educated states in, in the country, so... Mm. The school systems, the school systems are, are wonderful. That's one of the reasons why, after being here a month, you mentioned it in the introduction. Yeah. After a month, like you, you just pick up on Minnesota nice, uh -huh. and um, and it's one of those things that um, it makes you go to sleep easily at night. You, you you're not worried about some crazies out there. Huh. That's amazing. Again, I still don't understand why the Walshes left here. <laughs> So the stars looked like they were going to bleed out of cash, but then current team owner Bill McGuire stepped in. Yep. Rest is history. 40 years after Minnesota's first top flight soccer team, Minnesota United were born. And here we sit on the eve of this magnificent stadium opening, a cathedral to the game. How do you expect to feel, Alan, deep inside, watching the echo, because I really believe it's the echo, of your kicks days being lived out large tomorrow now, for the first time in the history, Minnesota soccer has a major league home. I, I, yep. I, I, I think it's very fitting that uh, it's come that full circle. Um, Minnesota is ready for it. They'll embrace it uh, with open hands and they will uh, make sure that it's nurtured so that um, we get a little closer to bringing in championships here. Oh. 
from your mouth to God's ear. Hearing you tell this story, it is clear, Alan. I mean, you are now the head coach with your Minnesota Golden Gophers club team. Oh, I love the Golden Gophers. <laughs> Respect to the dog. I like anything in American soccer that has two Gs. You've been in... <laughs> That's the worst joke I've ever made. Which is, that's some competition. You've been evangelical for the game of soccer in this state. You really have been. Few have done more than you to bring your love of the game into the hearts of thousands of young Minnesotans. On the eve of this great day in Minnesotan soccer history, you, a man who moved here when there was such little soccer played, you moved here for a vacation originally for three Correct. months and you stayed... Now, when you drive around here, we've seen it today, even in the snow, kids are playing the game on fields everywhere. Address this audience. How do you understand what's happened, Alan? Um, I think it's a natural progression. You have lots of great people here, uh, lots of volunteers. Um, the parent coaches came into the game. They got themselves certificates and certifications, uh, learned how to coach. Um, embrace the game, we've talked about that. Uh, and so then they made them, they, they just, just didn't go with a little bit, they just went with their all. Yeah, they went fully into everything and uh, uh, made it so it worked. There's an industrious group of people uh, that you witness every time you go onto the soccer field. They're, um, they, they are just a superb group of people to, to work with. And um, I, I just think that the game is gonna grow and grow uh, to a point where uh, we're going to have a lot more local players playing in, in the MLS. Alan, you bought us hats. Tell us about the book you bought here. Today. This book is something that uh, I know Roger is going to be really impressed with because... Because it's a book. You're, you're, <laughs> he loves a book. And, and, and I prefer hardware. And I've got some crayons for you to fill in some of the pages. <laughs> So there'll be no problem with that. Uh, it's a brand new book. Patrick Horn is a former NASL player, and he depicts all the black pioneers of the North American oh, Soccer League. Amazing. Okay, good. It's, Look at uh, this. This is amazing. This book, Black Pioneers of the North American Soccer League, 1968 to 1984. It's got Randy Horton, Warren Archibald, Steve David. I'm going to end the show now and walk off and read this, David. <laughs> Well, I, I knew you were a, a, a bookworm, so if you look at Steve David on the front cover there, he actually has a home in Minnesota, and he's, um, his family grew up here. Um, he's one of your Trin Trinidad and Tobago oh. uh, hot sauces. Double T. Double T. Yeah. Um, so it, there, are, there, there are four other uh, players who were significant in the state of Minnesota. Oh, and so you'll read all about them. They, they, it's just a, fe a feature of what happened in, in what was uh, a great environment for them to succeed as soccer players. I'm going to devour that book on the plane home. I will carry with me the words that you've just delivered about all that's been great about your time here in Minnesota from a soccer perspective, which is tenacity, yep. perseverance, passion. Beautiful words, Alan. I want to say you are an inspiration. And I want to ask everyone here, Minnesota, please be upstanding for the legend that is Alan Merrick. Thank you.
Alan Merrick. Available on websites that rhyme with Wamazon. I think we need to ratchet the Minnesota Rog all the way up to 11. I grew up in Liverpool, England. Yeah. And, and I used to make... About 3% of those people have been to Liverpool, England. I made sense of the world through football and music. And everything I used to think about Minnesota before I came here, I learned through the speakers of my boombox. The replacements. Huskadoo. And the hold steady. Yep, until your boombox was stolen. If young Rog was alive today, he would be listening to just one Minnesota act and one Minnesota band only atmosphere. And tonight, we welcome to the stage the vocal half of that group. He's also co-founder of the mighty independent label Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. Minneapolis born and bred, Mr. Sean Slug Daly. Sean, I don't have long to live. <laughs> he ain't looped this. Oh, oh, there, there. Yes. Hey! Yay. It's for my kids. Okay. Hi, kids. Oh. All right. Oh, we're going to talk about your kids in a minute. It's a joy to be with you. What do we want to do with Slug, David? Slug, we want to learn at your knee, to discover more about Minnesota, the culture, the singular creativity that pours out of this place. You're an indie hip-hop star, but hip-hop sprung up in New York City, let's face it, and quickly moved west to Los Angeles. How did a major outpost spring up in Minneapolis? I, I think it was just a matter of nature, organics. Um, as it traveled specifically through media and as breakdancing and graffiti started reaching into cities outside of the coasts, a lot of kids grabbed onto it. You know, it spoke to us, we identified with it, and it gave voices to a lot of people who didn't have a lot of options on how to have a voice. And, you know, it, it became an identity, much like other cultures and movements do for the youth. This one specifically uh, spoke to, to a, a part of the youth that didn't have a chance to really say what they had to say. It gave a voice. It gave a voice. And do you think sort of Minneapolis being sort of sat there, not New York, not LA, in the middle, not Chicago. Do you think that's what makes it unique in terms of its voice in youth culture or is something else? I mean, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time. I would like to. All right, I, me specifically, I believe that um, we grabbed onto so many different branches of the tree at once that what we ended up creating is our, this, this, this version of it that 
took and took 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 from from took inspirations from all of the different things that were going on because uh -huh. at the time specifically early on the east coast had its own thing the west coast did the uk has its sound the right. french had their sound and these sounds were, were popping off before minneapolis was 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 getting known and and, and i i think we were we were grabbing you had all the that. advantage of getting it a maybe a little later you know what i would i would say um we did get it a little later, but in a way, it gave us a self-consciousness or maybe an insecurity about our role in it. So when we ran to it, we ran to it a little harder. Oh, God loves. Let's raise a glass to insecurity. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> Rog I loves love insecurity. I love it. Loves it. I, I know. You know, instead of insecurity, how about it? I say, um, when people who are incarcerated find religion, they tend to go at it super hard wow that's deep and in a way that was that was how that was I'm serious that was how i felt about that passion cool. I love persistence that. tenacity themes of the evening i admire so much about you slug first of all i love your album title when life give you lemons you paint that shit gold <laughs> one of the greatest album titles of all time if I ever got a tramp stamp, which I might do tonight, <laughs> it would just be that phrase. But second, here's what I admire about you, and I admire about Minnesota, to be candid. You're both often overlooked, but you don't care. You don't care. You just go ahead and you create your own thing. You look inside, you find your own style, and you blaze your own path. I mean, that's how I was brought into this. Uh, when I was young and I wanted to be an advocate and a participant in this, in this culture, in this movement, you know, I saw what was happening and people around me were sending demos to record labels in other parts of the country. And all of that seemed so unrealistic to me that, and I, and I would say to, to some of, you know, to some of my, some of my colleagues as well, it, it didn't seem, it didn't seem of value. I, I saw more value in just creating and not worrying about if it grew legs. I mean, until it started to grow legs. Yeah, then you love the legs. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has beautiful legs. <laughs> Two for slugs legs. When, what, what did you like about Harrison Smith? Well, I mean. Is, he, is what's it called? His traps. His traps. I love slugs legs. You were once asked. If you get frustrated by being ignored by the bicoastal power structure in hip hop, and you said, We're Minnesota, we adapt, we got four seasons, our winter's horrendous, our summer's horrendous, so we pretty much adapt to anything. There's a, there's a DIY spirit here, there's an against all odds, find our own way, and I think it's all the more powerful for doing so, Slug. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. You know, uh, even when I stop staring at myself and look at my surroundings and look at the, the other people that I see working, I feel that that is kind of a common bond for, for all of us. You know, we are, we are so outside. Like, the closest city is Chicago, and that's a seven-hour drive for you to go see a show. So mm. if the shows don't come here, you make your own. Mm. You know, when the bands aren't coming to play here, you, you throw your own shows, you know? and, and and I think that's, that's relevant 
to the 80s. I don't know about the 70s. I wasn't paying attention. But I think that's relevant to, to the Twin Cities 80s, the Twin Cities 90s, you know, the, the aughts, and all the way to now. I, I still see it when I look at our scene. And it's probably why you love your sports teams so much. You came of age in the south central region of Minneapolis. You've stayed here. You've become a massive Minnesota sports fan. You've said, Lynx, Timberwolves, Vikings, Twins, put a jersey on a bowling ball and I will watch it. <laughs> From the outside, there seems to be an awful lot of suffering that comes with being a Minnesota sports fan. <laughs> Is that true? Is it poetic? You know, a lot of my friends get mad at the TV, but I don't because... I don't care. I'm just watching it for the entertainment. I'm watching it for fun, you know? Somebody has to lose. Somebody has to win. I'm, I'm going to have a good time because it allows me the opportunity to ignore my family. <laughs> but really, I, 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 you know, I get excited just like every other, every other fanatic here when when, when, one of the, when one of the teams starts popping off and, and having a good season at the front, like all of a sudden, calling Vegas like Vikings gonna take the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and, and it's real, I feel it, I feel that way. But when it, when it goes south, if it goes south, when it goes south. <laughs> when it goes south, if it goes south, when it goes south. That's I don't, I don't. It, 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 it always goes south, I, like. I don't, I don't cry, I don't, get, I, don't get, I, don't get, I don't throw anything at the TV. So when I think about soccer here, it almost seems to be an echo of Minnesota's hip-hop history. I mean, when Minnesota United was founded, many across the rest of the nation laughed. They said the team would be a disaster. Who laughed? Who? Point them out. <laughs> the gnome. There were, there were a lot of people on the West Coast, on the East Coast. They, they said this would Alexi be... Alexi Lalas. They would Sorry. be... No, he didn't. He didn't. Alexi loved Listen. it. He did it. He loved it. He loved it. <laughs> no. No. No, guys. There's a, Slug is a musician. Alexi Lalas is a musician. Don't, <laughs> Very similar. Don't, don't, don't diss a musician to a musician. Just let's have some mutual respect. Ginger's one of the best albums that... <laughs> I, that I own on CD still, but many said, just take it from me, they said it would be the worst team the league's ever seen. At the same time, anyone that was really looking saw a culture around the team that was flourishing, and then some, and tomorrow you are going to join a sellout crowd at this new beautiful temple of sport. I mean, you're going to bring your kids. Can you believe it? I mean... You know, when they beep the ticket on my phone and I actually get let in, then I will believe it. Until then, uh, no. Until then, it's like, okay, yeah, it's we, Minnesota sports. We, <laughs> we, you, we spoke before this show, and you said how excited you are that the city has a team. You said something incredibly beautiful. You said, I have four sons. I want my children to have all the experiences I didn't get to have tomorrow when I take them to the gate. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say anything and ruin that quote. <laughs> it was just, perfect. Just let, just let it lie. Yeah. As, a, as, a dad, as a dad who just took his son to WrestleMania, and had literally the greatest night of both of our lives, I completely relate. 
Tomorrow will be WrestleMania in Minnesota. We're, we were recently in Atlanta, another gem of a city. It's okay, they're bottom of the league now. <laughs> it, it's a gem of a city. The line Minnesota is too often written off culturally, sportingly, but a remarkable footballing culture in Atlanta has revealed itself to the world through Atlanta United. And we spent a bit of time there and there was a quote from the fans. I went to a tailgate. They have a lot of fans there and a number of them talked to me about 1995, Outcast winning the Best New Artist at the Source Awards and Andre 3000 lent into the microphone and declared, the South got something to say. And in the same way, right here, right now, I believe Minnesota's got something to say. And Slug, is that true? And if it is, what does Minnesota have to say? That's a, that, by the way, Slug, that was a Rog question. Have you guys tried Ludafisk? <laughs> I, I did. I did. That's it. That's, that's it. That's essentially it. Holy crap, man, that is like... That's like the end of Chinatown. That is the most enigmatic. That is like the most, I'm going to be thinking, I'm going to be in my hotel room at five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be naked. I'm going to be smothered oh. in cheese curd. I'm not going to know how it got there. And all I'm going to hear is Slug's voice say, have you tried loot fix? Yeah. But you'll have your new tramp stamp, Rog. Uh, Slug, you're a remarkable man. May your music continue to inspire millions across America and you continue to thrive, living by my favorite lyric of yours, atmosphere, and maybe you don't like us, but of all the stars in the sky, believe we're one of the brightest. Courage, let's hear it for Slug, ladies and gentlemen. Tear for slug. slug. Boom. That, okay. That guy's muck with my head. A lovely man, Rog, but brace yourself for our next guest. Rog, he's one of your childhood heroes. A gent who was a giant as a player, despite his somewhat diminutive stature, which earned him the nickname Inchy. A bloke who thrilled in an 18-year career that took him across England and into Spain, winning titles domestic and European, and even more coveted, a spot on Childhood Rogers' bedroom wall. I crap you not. Welcome to the first MLS manager in the history of Minnesota United, Mr. Adrian Heath. Before we start, I can't believe you've let him kill Everton all night. Oh, mate, I was waiting for reinforcements. <laughs> By the way, this was the poster I had on my bedroom, Adrian. I mean... Yeah, it seems a long time ago now. Oh, my God. Is that a pair of tube socks? 
but uh, uh, I mean, there was a lack of sh I mean, there was a lack of cloth in them days to make the shorts that they have now. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> respect. Oh, Asian Heath, it is an honour to be with you. It is true. Yeah. Tween Rog used to go to bed underneath a poster of you. I did that poster. It explains so much. <laughs> yeah. Alongside a William Refrigerator Perry poster. Debbie Gibson was also up there somewhere. Bob Latchman. I look closer to Debbie Gibson there than I do. <laughs> Ferris Bueller was in the mix. Yeah. I can't believe I'm sitting here with you here and now. It is honestly, for me, a childhood dream come true. But that looks like a long time ago to you as you yeah, stare at it. I can remember. That's at Watford. Yeah. I remember the score. I scored this day. It was... Uh, we got beat 2-1 by Watford. It was you great. Didn't, you didn't care because you scored. You scored. <laughs> no, not really. In them days, it was more about the, the name on the front what of the year, shirt than the what, name on the back. What year would that have been? That would have been 1982, 83. It was the year before we went to the cup final. You scored 18 goals that yeah. year. Debbie Gibson, if you're listening to this podcast, yeah. you are now the last one on Roger's bucket list, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Amazing. She wrote all her own songs. Yeah. Adrian, you were a wonder as a player. You moved to Everton in January 1982 for a yeah. club record million dollars, which was then a lot of money, designated player money back then. And to be candid, as a player, you were a personification of everything I loved then and I still love now about football players. A true team player, tenacity, competitiveness. You never gave up. I mean, that's how you took the field. I, I didn't think you'd read that out where I sent you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Rog. Well, I, I do. I read whatever you. Um, we're getting to the negotiation <laughs> with, uh, for the managerial fee no. and your new salary in a minute that you want me to read out. <laughs> but I'm just doing. It. As a player, you were like a true collective warrior, a tenacity. Yeah. You never gave I, up. As I said before, I, I had the privilege this year of getting voted into the Hall of Fame at Everton, and that meant so much to me. But I was fortunate that I. I, I really did play in an era where it was, you know, that the name on the front of the shirt meant more than the name on the back. And I know that sounds a bit trite and people mean that, but I, that group of players I played with, I still am great friends with them today. I would die for every single one of them. So that was what the team meant to me at the time, still does. And I think that, you know, if we, if we can bring anything to this city, and I speak to the players all the time about we have to remember who we play for, you know, who you play with, because it, ultimately they're the most important people. The people who've paid to come here tonight, they're the people that we play for every single time that we play. You are right. I do give Everton a hard time. But Considering played, we won the title nine times and you've won it six, well, and we didn't need a billionaire to come and buy our you title. Are, you're right. You are right. You are right. In a, in a league that existed before the Premier League, Everton were a, and by the way, a lot of people don't know this, Everton were an incredibly successful club, and you played for that team. Yeah. You played for an Everton that won things okay. rather than a team that finished mid-table. You won two league titles. You reached three FA Cup finals. Yeah. You picked up a European Cup winner's medal. Let's have a look at Adrian Heath, the player. Sharp, Mountfield, Gray, Heath are all in there. 
It's Mountfield. And it's he. I love this clip. Yeah. And the Everton fans are on the field. Look at the police just strolling on. Yeah. Very nonplussed. Nothing to see here. Do you know what's incredible? There was one Geiger on the field the other night and there was an outrage. There's about 2,000 people on yeah. the field here. If you're listening to the pod, there's about 50 Scousers jumping on Adrian Heath and the police are just walking by there being, move along, there's nothing to see here, lads. <laughs> but on the replay, if you look at the replay, you adjusted to the ball flight from the mud. You had to play with mud in the 1970s. This yeah. was a daily factor. It's crazy now. We play at some stadiums now, and there might be a little bit of dirt in the middle of the pitch. And people go, have you seen the field? Freak out. Have you seen the pitch? Yeah, you just described NYCFC's field. <laughs> That's all mud. Have you seen the field? Yeah. I, will I say, was referring to grass. Yeah, oh, grass. Let's hear it for grass. <laughs> yeah. Looking at that video, yeah. it reminds me that you used to have a blonde perm. Yeah. So and my like, mum used to do it. Really? My mum used to do it, and I used to say, I just want it wavy. I came out looking like one of the Jacksons. My hair was like this, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but because your mum did your hair in a perm, 11-year-old yeah. Rog went and got a blonde perm. <laughs> and I'll say... It have looked, got a picture? It looked bloody... I don't have a picture. Just mentally picture a young Phil Spector, and you'll know exactly <laughs> what I look like. Um... Talking about young, Everton, that Everton, that winning Everton, they were such a youthful squad when you joined yeah. them. Graham Sharp, Kevins, Sheedy and Ratcliffe. I mean, you know what makes a winning squad. Mm. You really do. I mean, something you're trying to build here as a manager, Adrian. Yeah. What did you learn from all of that winning with Everton? The secret of success from a squad perspective. Well, it's all about players. No matter what your coach is, if you've, your players are ultimately... You live and die by your players. It takes time. It takes time to build. It takes... I remember that team. I remember our Kendall. Somebody, I think, sprayed on his garage door that, you know, Kendall out. The, man the manager of Everton had a real low point. This gentleman scored the goal that arguably saved his job and went on uh, to high And things. then five years later, we've won all the trophies that we've won. And now he's the greatest manager in the history of Everton Football Club. So it's, it, it's very fickle. It changes very quickly. But you need time to put the right team together. And um, we are slowly getting there here. We're slowly getting there now. And um, I, I look at the, the club and where we are and from when I joined and the vision that Dr. Bill Maguire and the, the ownership group they sort of spelled it out, and we knew it was going to take time. We had to pay for the franchise. We had to build a training facility. We had to build a soccer-specific stadium that was paid for by us. And uh, hey, now we can start to invest in the team, and we can start to get better and, and give these you know, incredible supporters the team that they deserve. So, Adrian, you've been in... America for 10 years, first in Austin, another yeah. great city, then yeah. Orlando, place I used to live. And in the most English thing ever, you've ended up in a place which makes Manchester seem like a hot beach city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're from Nutton, yeah. a small blue-collar village near Stoking, the English Midlands. Nutton yeah. is known as a gruff, straight-talking, English, no-nonsense city. What yeah. did you make of your first encounters with Minnesota Nice? Um, 
the, the, the I met Bill the first time, and I thought, oh, Bill McGuire. Yeah, he, he's going to be on in a minute. And you, uh, people who know him, he's six foot four, big, unassuming guy. I thought, I'm not sure about Minnesota nice. If this is if this is a nice guy, I don't want to meet a, an angry guy. Why are you poking the bear before the bear comes on the yeah. show? Yeah. But the, the but the great thing about the people that came, I, I met when I first arrived here, they they had a vision of what they wanted the club to become, and um, we're slowly, we're nearly there now. We, we're opening a, an incredible stadium, and you'll all see it tomorrow. And uh, I think people. That's nice. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you. And uh, tell Bill that when he comes on. And. Um, <laughs> By the way, that was like that scene in Rocky. I love you, Adrian! Uh, uh, oh, yeah. It sounded like my wife, by the way. <laughs> so, I, uh... oh. No, but we, we've... Obviously, the people have welcomed us incredibly well. We, we live down in Wyzetta. We love where we live. And uh, we, we have, we've settled really quickly in here. We, we like where we are. This This... Last bit of snow is taking a little bit of getting used to, I've got to be honest. Sometimes it snows in April. Yeah, but I have to tell you, I was in Wayzata High Street the other day and people were in shorts and flip-flops because it was free ice cream at Ben and Jerry's. Yep. I thought, here we go, we're off and running now. Yep. Nope. Now the summer's coming nope. in. And then next morning I wake up and I can't see out the window. You know, America. There, there is something special here. You've known many footballing cultures. You've played in England. You've played in Spain, you even played in the People's Republic of Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> but the fan culture here, it is amazing. Despite the fact, as we've just discussed, you have a little bit of weather, loyal fans, tough conditions. Yeah. In your first press conference as Minnesota United head coach, you referred to your hope for this team. You said it would become the Newcastle of MLS. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, AJ, I, and trust me, I worked for for Sunderland for five years. You won't believe the stick I got for that comment. Can, can I we, got can, killed every time I opened the mail. It was somebody from Sunderland killing can, me. Can, can we go next level on this comment? Because, yeah. like, to me, I heard it. I was like, the Newcastle of MLS. Yeah. Is that not a bit like saying we aspire to be the Billy Baldwin of the Baldwin family? <laughs> or like. I'd like to be the Dan Gronkowski to the Rob. Yeah. I mean, I want to just throw this out there. I'm just brainstorming with you. Yeah. I think of Minnesota. Well, we are, we are, the people up here are special. You've seen that. I, I remember the opening day of the season when we, when we played Atlanta. And uh, we had 32,000. And as most people know, it didn't go the way we'd planned it. But I remember saying to my wife in the car going home that uh, nobody left. I thought, we've got a chance here. These, these people are going to stick with us. They're going to give us time. And we've got a chance. 32,000, nobody left. 5-1 down. See, I think of you, when I hear that especially, I think of Minnesota United. I'm just throwing this out here, people. I think of you as the Everton of MLS. I do. I do. I hope, it's the, I hope it's the Everton team of the 80s. Yeah. yeah. I, I will <laughs> Me say, too. passion, big dreams, the next big dynasty, an unstoppable power in the making. Well, we, 
as I said to you, we, hey, what we've got to do, we've got to know what we are. We've got to build, plan, and we, we are starting to do that. And when, when we, now we can start to really concentrate on everything that's team oriented. We're going to get better and we're going to be fine. We've got great support, got a great stadium, got great ownership group. We've got a lot of things going for us. So Adrian, there's an amazing story that shows the connection you have with this state and with its footballing traditions. The Oasis song, yeah. Wonderwall, yeah. is sung by the fans at the end of every game that Minnesota win. And you actually know Noel and Liam Gallagher from your days yeah. at Manchester City in the early 90s. Tell us that story. Well, these guys didn't look like that then. Their, their eyebrows were bigger. Yeah. So I remember I was in the, we were, we were training at Platte Lane then, which is old uh -huh. Manchester City training yeah. ground. This is before the, this is before oh, the, yes, before yeah. the oh, UAE this is money. pre-Qatari money. Pre-oil money. Pre-oil money, this was normal football, where you didn't have any money unless, you know, you'd got a wealthy owner at that particular time. And these guys used to come and clean the players' cars. In a pretty dangerous part of Manchester. Oh, yeah. The, the famous comedian at the time, Bernard Manning, used to say that they're going to turn the main st stand around to face Moss Side because they see more shots that way. Because <laughs> it was a really dangerous part of town. <laughs> and we, we used to, and, and they used to row like they do now in yeah. them days. So and they I used what, to say, now, what, what hang on, what, 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 how, what did they, they? What did they do? They've been 16, 17 maybe in them and days. And they were washing the cars. They were washing the cars. So they, they, washed your pla they washed the players' cars? Yeah, at Platte Lane, yeah. What and were driving them? A Vauxhall Astra or something, how, which, how, was, which is probably like a Ford a Focus GM, or yeah, something know, like yeah, that. GM something. Really glamorous in them days. How many radios went missing while you were playing Manchester City, Adrian? Not as many as when I was in Liverpool. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I've got two in my green room. I can yeah. give back to you. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody can return Roger's boombox, yeah, that would be great yeah, as well. Yeah. I feel very guilty about the ones I nicked yeah. from you. But that, that story, your connection, your random connection to the Gallaghers, yeah. the random but wonderful and deeply meaningful connection of Wonderwall to Minnesota is proof to me Adrian, you were meant to be here. It's kismet. It's fate. It well, really is. Yeah, well, hopefully, and we've spoke to the players, hopefully you'll hear it tomorrow in its full voice. I'm about to negotiate with Bill McGuire live on stage, <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't, don't undermine me here. But you, to me, you are the personification of much that is good about Minnesota. You were constantly, anyone that knows about you as a player, you were constantly told you couldn't do things, Adrian. Too small to play, uh -huh. too small to be a pro. As a manager, your teams were written off, you overachieved. Yeah. Tomorrow, the team you manage are proving something to the rest of the country with the opening of the stadium. What is your message to these fans here, these beautiful fans right here, right now, on the eve of this exclamation point about the rest of the season? Well... I will say to the players tomorrow what the great Eric Kendall used to say to me when I was a young guy. I want our players to play tomorrow like these people would got if they had the chance to play tomorrow. Huh. And for me, that means everything. So, I know... I know how much it means to the, 
the supporters, and it does to the ownership group and everything. All I've said to the players is, hey, it's going to be a great day tomorrow, but it will be an even better day if we win. So let's... let's... Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it. Minnesota, for your manager, the Paul Bunyan of MLS, Mr. Adrian Heath. something out of Harold and the Purple Crayon, that this poster that you had on your bedroom wall just came alive for you, and you had a real interaction with a real human being, which I know you very well, doesn't happen very often in your own real life. Right now, I'm gonna be, we're all friends here, aren't we? I can't tell what's the loot fisk, and what is me <laughs> just freaking the out. Okay, Rog, we are here for one reason and one reason only at the end of the day to celebrate the unveiling of Allianz Stadium that footballing palace made o gold let's welcome the man whose purchase of the Minnesota Stars FC 2012 made all of this possible and by this I mean this 250 million dollar temple in time that is Allianz Field here in St. Paul's Midway neighborhood at the northeast quadrant of Interstate 94 and Snelling Avenue thank you Google Maps we welcome to the stage the majority owner of your Minnesota United, Dr. Bill Maguire. Let me raise my bud to you, Bill Maguire. The more I learn about your story, the more mad and wonderful the whole thing is. You were born in Troy, New York State. Anyone else here from Troy? <laughs> just, Figures, huh? let's, uh, let's that's just a say, no. Let's just say not traditional soccer country, Bill. I, I think that's correct. <laughs> You moved to Minnesota in 1989. You made your fortune in health insurance. The first game you saw, 2012. The team were then a NASL league-owned Minnesota Stars, struggling economically. The fans chanted, we're the team that nobody wanted. You were a basketball fan at the time. What made you think, hmm, I'm going to step in and buy this, this beauty? This is the future, future, future. <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, it's called no due diligence. Um, and, Let's hear it for no due, due diligence. No due diligence. No, that, that was an uh, interesting time, let us say. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you guys have talked about it all night. It's what you see out there. It's the emotion. It's the involvement. Uh, I really hadn't seen a, a sport where the fans and the people were so integrated into the game on the field. A communion. It was, it was, communion. It was incredible. Absolutely. I love this quote of yours. It seemed like we ought to be able to do it reasonably. Then it sort of got carried away. <laughs> you, sound, 
You sound, Bill, like more of a fan yourself than an owner. Um, I, I like it. I like, I like to get involved in these things. You know, we're, we've been extraordinarily uh, blessed here. It's a great community. It's a great state, as you've talked about soccer. We have a group of people that uh, are really lifelong Minnesota people that came together. And they're committed to the community. They help make this happen. And, you know, it's not really just me. It's, it's those people. And, of course, as we keep saying, it's the fans. It's the community and everything that soccer stands for. You were quoted as saying that the decision to buy a soccer team was, quote, probably pre-senile dementia. <laughs> and this man is a doctor. But your original goal was to preserve the team. Back then, there were less than 500 season ticket holders. This is a sports mad city. The audience, they live for their Vikings, their twins, their Timberwolves, their Lynx. What did you and the local ownership group that came together, what did you sense was the opportunity for soccer in a crowded, loyal market? Well, obviously, this is a sports-friendly market. People here like sports. Sports are important, we think, uh, all sports. They teach us lots of lessons. Adrian yeah. talked about those. Um, it's the world sport and sort of stood back and said, how can we be part of a great community um, and not be engaged, not be playing this sport at the top level? It, yeah. it makes sense. And when you look at where our world's going, where we want to be, what the, the uh, messages we have, it was logical. A world sport for a world city. Astonishing stat that I Wikipedia. 251 <laughs> languages now spoken in Twin Cities' seven-county metro area. Absolutely. Uh. We, ha we have uh, 16 players, or 16 different countries represented in our player roster this year. It's astonishing. You know, this new stadium... This new stadium, Bill, is beautiful. It's a jewel box. I love the exterior. I'm the son of an architect, so these are all my own words. The complex computer-generated geometry that evokes water <laughs> and the concept of flow that is reflective of all the lakes and rivers in Minnesota and that will change colors like the top of the Empire State Building every night. Bill. <laughs> it's gorgeous. L'Etoile du Nord. L'Etoile du Nord. L'Etoile du Nord. It's a beautiful piece of architecture that fits into the community. It reflects the sport. It is the sport. It has the elements that say it is Minnesota. And it is for the sport and the fans. Huh. And look. It is a world-class venue for a world-class city, which I think is significant. What life lesson do you as a, as a man, as a professional, take from this experience. Just a few years ago, you unsuspectingly went to watch a near-bankrupt team, the Minnesota Not Stars, <laughs> toil around a pitch before a tiny crowd in the NASL, and you ended up building a $250 million, 296,193-square-foot stadium. What has this taught you about yourself? Um, <laughs> I didn't build it. I, I want to go back to, you know, what it, it taught me about myself is I appreciate all the elements that go into these things and all the people that are involved, and one person didn't do this. 
you know, this is the history of the sport. It's these people that are here, the in ones that are city, here. The history of the sport in this city. Right. And the people, the other folks that have also put their money into this and said, you know, this is important. And we want this for the future generations. So, um, you know, I think you, you learn about the importance of history and, and looking into the future and making commitments and doing things right. I will say, having been at the stadium today and then with anticipation of being there with all of you here tomorrow, is a, and for all of you listening along to the podcast at home across America, this stadium here in Minnesota is a bucket list destination for everybody who loves the game in the United States of America. Absolutely. Thank you. And listening to your story, which is a mad and crazy and wonderful and joyous story, Bill, I do think of a John Lennon Yoko Ono quote, a dream you dream alone is only a dream, a dream you dream together is reality. So what I want to know is, how do you expect to feel tomorrow? We are here the night before a great day for Minnesotan football. You're going to be sitting in the stands as your football team, the beautiful Minnesota United, walk out alongside New York City FC. There will be nearly 20,000 Minnesotans in a sold-out crowd bellowing, come on, you loons. What emotions will you feel? Um, hopefully the same emotions that everybody else has that's out there. Pride and aspiration. And hoping like hell that we win. <laughs> Where is Adrian? By the way, it does occur to me that NYCFC are going to be walking out thinking, why the hell do we still not have a stadium? <laughs> Still playing in a baseball. But, by the way, guys, we're staying in the same hotel as the NYCFC team, and I personally gifted them beautiful little boxes of Loot Fisk. <laughs> oh, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. Well, we're, we're hoping tonight that at least we'll uh, get a little warm up. You know, we got thrown a little bit of curveball. I was going to say that uh, Commissioner Garber, he talks about every time he comes up here, it's so cold. We talk about, yeah, Don, every time you come up here, it was nice, and it turned cold. Yeah. It's like... They call that the Garber, the Garber effect. Oh, I mean, you know, everybody's getting ready for the final uh, season of Game of Thrones, and it's like the, you know, the Night King has come with the White Walkers, and yeah. he comes up, and whew, it was well, 70 degrees last week. Yeah. I know, by the uh, way... By the way, I was chatting to David Beckham last week. He said exactly the same thing about Miami and Don. <laughs> Every time Every Don goes to Miami, it snows. It's bloody Absolutely. freezing. Okay, what a gentleman. What a team. Please be upstanding for your owner, Dr. Bill McGuire. Thank you. Okay, Rog. What an achievement, David. Absolutely. Build it, and they will come, and by they, I mean these fans, Rog. They've cheered for this team in their various incarnations through the ages. And we couldn't end without welcoming 
some of those remarkable supporters onto the stage. There are so many groups with such diverse backgrounds. I do want to shout out the Dark Clouds, founded in, it's astonishing, founded in 2004. A different America, but they've supported the team in times of darkness and like tonight, support them with weekends that dreams are made of. Fantastic. Yeah, welcome to the stage, ladies and gentlemen, the drummers from Thunderwall and from the Dark Clouds, Andy Ryerson, Maggie Heyer-Erlinson, Abe Poti, Mike Powers, and Megan Reiner. And from True North Elite, Rob Lauer, Kendra Shannon, Thomas Felton, Nicholas Bisbee, and Tyler Moe Slepica. And from Dark Glitterati, Anna Daly. We got, we got a quick question. We want to congratulate you on all that you've built here. You've got one of the greatest and most random American footballing traditions. <laughs> Singing Wonderwall, the Oasis hit. Can you just describe the emotions? Lean into those microphones there. Tell, what do you expect to feel singing that song? in the Allianz Stadium from your supporter stand. What is that gonna feel like for you? After all the tension of the TIFO and the match day and the smoke and the setup and all the time and all the meetings, all of those things and all of this, um, probably relieved. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, yeah, you only get one time to make a first impression, but we've got a long time to keep making that place home like you won't believe. We're going to ultimately leave the last word to these remarkable Minnesotans with us on stage uh, who are going to close our show with a pair of chants, I believe, beginning with really? the beautiful cold as Minnesota. But before we go, a few orders of business. First, we just want to ask that any of you who want to join us, please come and join us at the bar post-show so that we can raise a glass with you. It's going down at 7th Street Truck Park. And secondly, we would like to propose a post a post, John Johnson, a toast. I'm already drunk. Uh, John Johnson, bring us our Jaeger shots. John Johnson. Our it's our producer. My Jaegermeister toast to you, the fans of football in Minnesota. You have cheered for the kicks, the stars, the thunder, now united. You've been there in the snow. You are there in the sun, you're in, there in the good times and in the bad. I really revere you. I revere the way you sing Wonderwall, that anthemic classic. Let's be honest, it's about everything and nothing. It, it's a screen onto which you can project pretty well any human emotion. It's a fitting symbol of your passion, your loyalty, and the wonder, the meaning, the deepest meaning, and the ridiculousness of football fandom and the collective memory that you will gain together for the past years, the 40 years of footballing tradition and the, please God, centuries to come here in Minnesota, the collective memory. <laughs> Cheering for it, only football, only sports can give you this. And I raise my Jägermeister with the lyrics from the song, today is gonna be the day they're gonna throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you've got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. 
All the roads we walk around are. Dude, you, you can't just and make And all the lights that lead us there are. There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. You can't sing this because you've not won yet. I'm going to say these words. You will sing it tomorrow. You will sing it tomorrow. I have no doubt. Come on! Come on, you Because maybe you're going to be the one who saves me, Adrian Heath. And after all, Minnesota, to the fans here tonight, we're going to leave it to you, the people who have cheered for this team in great times, and please, God, many great times to come. Minnesota, you're my wonder wall. Skull to you, the fans. Chant us out. Go out and win!